thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith and I'm just a little bit excited. <laughs> I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara and I'm excited with you, Karen Smith. <laughs> I think we all are, darling. There are some podcasts I just feel like a kid in a candy store and today is one of those podcasts. We've got the amazing Marcus Pierce joining us here on Up For A Chat. Now, Marcus is part of the brains behind the whole wellness couch and the whole wellness guys. And, of course, for most of you guys who um, listen to Up For A Chat, hopefully you've all attended one of the wellness summits in Melbourne. And Marcus is like our what do, what do we call him? Our, like our producer. He's Charlie. Our, he's our Charlie Angel. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Marcus. What a treat to have you here. Oh, Angels, it's great to be back with you. The last time we were all together doing up for a chat was, I reckon, 18 months ago or maybe even at another year to that. What would that be, 30 months ago? When we were talking just before Christmas, I was up your way and uh, we actually did an in real life podcast together. And this is the first one we've done since. And it's so good to hear your voices because I just was just listening to a podcast that you girls were doing when you, you you hadn't seen each other or breathed the same air. For a long, long time, and Kim had just had her surgery, and you were all had a little moment together because it had been so long. And uh, and I have one of these moments right now. It's been so long that we've all had the four of us together. So really excited to spend a bit of time with you on up for a chat. Oh, we love you, Marcus, and and it's such a treat yeah. to have you. And so tell us in the last couple of months what you've been up to. Oh, I've been traveling. I've put a test out to the young Pierce family. What would it be like to? travel every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday for three or four weeks. I've been talking for a company called Positive Real Estate, teaching uh, real estate investors how it's one thing to have a wonderful real estate portfolio, but if your life portfolio is mediocre and you don't look after your health and you don't look after your relationships, then what good is it getting to 40, 50 or 60 with a multi-million dollar portfolio with no one to share it with and no health to enjoy it with? So I did that for a month uh, going you know, from capital city to capital city and regional town to regional town whilst Sebe looked after the three kids because I just wanted to see how the family went and how my business went because I love doing talks and I realized very quickly my business stopped. I thought I could do all of these things. I thought I could multitask whilst I was traveling, but there's only so much you can do in an airplane. Um, I love doing all the talks. The family went wonderfully, uh, but it was, yeah, it was a really, really, really good month. Um, a lot of learning lessons, but that's what I've been up to the last couple of months. And then, yeah, preparing. I've got an event coming up in Melbourne in uh, a few weeks' time, so I've been busily preparing uh, for that, another live event. And um, you know what it's like. Girls' live events, they are so much fun, but far out there, intensive on the energy front, aren't they? What's what's coming up in Melbourne? Let's I talk am about doing – um, so the, the normal, the exceptional life blueprint live, which is, uh, normally I hold it in Byron, but this year I'm going to the big city to the big smoke of Melbourne. Um, that's the two day intensive where, uh, pardon the corny one liner girls, but that's where we help people rise from mediocre to magnificent in all areas of their life, be it their life purpose or their health, their wealth, their relationships and so on. So that's a two day intensive, uh, coming up June three and four in the big smoke. Now, that event, I reckon, would go off like a frog in a sock. I did um, 
Not that we would ever put frogs in socks. Let me just put that out there right now. <laughs> Don't try this at home. <laughs> but I did one of my events, the Effortless Self in Melbourne, just um, three, four weeks ago. And um, it was huge. I had 165 people attend that event in Richmond. And um, it was absolutely massive. And when I actually asked how many people in the room had either seen me or listened to up for a chat or seen me at the Wellness Summit, it was 90% of the room. And it was just, it was huge. So no doubt your event is going to be massive given that you're taking it all the way down to the peeps of Melbourne. I mean, that's where you guys are really, you know, you guys have been making a massive difference down there for a long time. Shame for all the rest. You got to think, but I reckon reckon Melbourne's a bit of an epicentre for... um personal growth i don't know what you girls find but i think um events in sydney aren't as frequented as they are in melbourne um and and the other you know adelaide and perth is a different kettle of fish but a lot happens in melbourne and people seem to get out of the house a lot more in melbourne so um i love running events in melbourne i'm biased i grew up there of course but um yeah melbourne is a very engaged community and and even though it is four million plus there's very much a a great sense of community and you know one or two degrees of separation so and i do love i do love returning to melbourne for um big personal growth events and that's yeah. why you're going down there kim as well kimmy's down there in september i see for a 28 event it all happens in melbourne i think too, the, the city itself is such a um cultural um city it's got a it's a mecca for food for art for dance for all sort of multicultural events anything and everything but i think you're right there's a certain energy there that um, makes it so attractive when we do the wellness summit each year and when we've actually put on those big events they just seem to know how to do it public transport everything's easy to get to um, can you just I'd love to know more about your event too tell us tell us exactly what it is because I think our listeners will be very keen to know what you're up to Mr Marcus Pierce well I'm not sure about you girls but I think more and more and I was gonna ask um, particularly you Kim and Cindy having come back from the states but more and more people, more than ever, and let's get into the deep and meaningfuls about this, are looking for meaning in their life. Like meaning has just become, it's like it is number one for so many people and particularly, I've got a bit of a theory, people in the big cities, and this is a gross generalisation and any listeners can, they can vehemently disagree and give me an uppercut to the head as I say this, but people in the big cities are They've got all their bills paid on time. They've got their car registration sorted. They've got everything sorted. They're straight line. They're in a box. Everything's organized. But the hyper organization is not the cause of, but they they feel very, um, what's the word, stunted. They're looking for meaning to their life. And then I look at where around I live up here in Byron and people have got three or four you know, former husbands or wives, they got four or five kids across all different, you know, types of parents. They never pay their car reg on time. They've got stuff going on everywhere. There's just mess. It's just everywhere. But but they're happy. You know, they're spiritually enlightened souls, but they've got no order to their life. But they feel meaning. They feel happy. They feel joyous. And then I look in the big cities and they've got everything sorted, but they're not happy. Um, and that's again a gross generalization. I know that's not the case for everyone, um, but I do find that people are looking for clarity in their life. What am I here to do? Um, and I don't necessarily think that that's. I don't necessarily think what am I here to do is the best question to ask. I think it, a lot of people feel bad about that, but I was kind of going to flip it, and, and that's and that's a big focus of what I talk about at, at ELB is to help people get clarity on not just what they're here to do, but who are they here to be? What is their behaviour like? Because so many people 
they're trying to figure out what they're here to do. But if they don't know what the answer is, then they feel down on themselves and then they go to a job they don't like, and I'm talking in generalized terms here, and they don't bring their best self to that work. So they're not being the best version of themselves and they're hoping that the universe or someone comes along and gives them an opportunity on a plate. But why would the universe give you the opportunity of a lifetime if you're not being the best version of yourself in your day-to-day life? If you're not being kind and respectful and honest and generous and, and other wonderful things, why would the universe just come along and give you some great opportunity and give you clarity on what it is that you're meant to do? I tend to think that when we can truly own uh, being the best version of ourselves, even if we don't love our work or we're um, not feeling 100%, if we can still be a wonderful person, I think we're far more likely to have opportunities um, bring themselves to us as a result. It's interesting, um, Marcus. I have just been to a conference where – there was a lady speaking there. She was a medical doctor from uh, Perth and she was um, – she's all about balance uh, and sh- she doesn't think that balance is achievable. But what she did say, because she said it's like a balancing act. Why do you want to be a balancing act? It was, it was interesting how she said it. But what she did say is um, that in order to um, make changes in your life, number one was belief in something bigger than yourself – and I think the Byron Bay people have that. Um, yeah. Number two is passion about something. Um, number three was purpose and meaningfulness, which is what you said. Number four was being resilient. And number five was connection to others. What, what do you think about those five steps? And I know well, you have an amazing group of steps. Well, yeah, so you know, we've spoken about these steps before, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about them again. But, Cindy, I look at, I'll just use you as an example, and I could talk about any of you, but let me just talk about you right now. You do what you love and love, and you love what you do, but you're a beautiful human being. I say that for all three of you. You're all just beautiful human souls. You've got hearts of gold, and all of you do what you love and love what you do, but you're also wonderful human beings. You move regularly, you social, you're socially engaged. Um, you've got friends. I mean, the th- look at the three of you, but you've got connections. You engage with humanity. You eat well. You have wonderful relationships in your life. You you love growing and learning, and more importantly, you apply what you learn. Um, you're wise financially, and you have a great sense of spirit and self. Now, I would call that balance. I would call that balance. I mean, if, if you honor and have and have wonderful standards in the eight key areas of your life, which I've just kind of whipped through there then, then I think balance is absolutely sustainable and, and, and achievable if you actually have make the effort to, one, clarify what is important to you and then, two, make it a priority to bring it in your life. Now, when someone dies or you have a really tough day or you don't get any sleep because the kids are awake or night or whatever, you might not feel a sense of balance throughout the day, but it doesn't mean you give up on um, the standards for your life and what it is that you want to create for your life. And again, all three of you have wonderful stories to tell of times where you may have gone, for want of a better term, out of balance. I mean, again, using Sydney as an example, you got up at four o'clock in the morning to write Changing Habits, Changing Lives. Some people would argue that that was out of balance, but I think you would say in the reflection of your life that you had a great time doing it. Um, And I think it's just important that people recognize that these standards aren't unachievable, but we must define those standards for ourselves rather than doing it just because Cindy does it or because Kim does it or or because Karen does it. And that's where I think, you know, those five elements which you just mentioned, I 100% agree with them. But it's the way that we go about attaining them um, 
which is which is the key. And I think a lot of people are trying to almost copycat and wonder why they're not getting it done. Marcus, ah. this morning I was um, listening to the radio station, and I don't remember which one it was, but they were talking about how, and, and I can't remember what prompted their conversation. I don't think I even heard it, but I came in halfway through, and they were talking about some t- statistics that have been made um, public about young teenage girls, and they said four out of five. Uh, sorry. Five out of ten will be sexually active in order to please men or boys. Mm. Um, four out of ten will be on the way to an eating disorder. Another four out of ten will also be on a diet. And um, three out of ten will suffer with anxiety and depression. And they opened up the phone lines and I couldn't get through, which was just devastating because I kept hitting the resend button. Um, but it, they said. Uh, it, it was interesting the comments that were coming back from people and I know this is going to sound a little bit, um, well, actually I don't know how this is going to sound, but it struck me as odd. The number of people who were calling in with advice saying just tell the girls to love themselves. Girls don't need to sacrifice themselves. People don't need to sacrifice themselves. They don't need to be unhappy. They can just be happy with themselves. And it surprised me that there was nobody actually looking at the source of the problem and what struck me remarkably is exactly what your um, your program is actually about, is that if we can get to uh, the source of the problem and work with strategic how-tos on how to reshape and re-strategize a person's life because our conditioning is not supporting a sustainable society. Absolutely. When you look at... You look at our children and you look at our teenagers and then you look at the Generation Y and the Generation X. It's not a sustainable society. In fact, what I'm seeing now, which is frightening me, I've opened up my books to take on um, a lot more coaching and a lot more counselling, grief counselling, depression and anxiety, emotional eating, all those sorts of things. So I've started taking on a lot more of that now. And You know, I remember when I used to do all the counselling, I would see 10 to 15 people a day and I remember seeing there was this theme amongst everybody that I would see over an 18-month period. There was this theme unfolding of there's no certainty and because there's no certainty, there's vulnerability and because there's vulnerability, we're looking to an external world for validation and while ever our gaze is outside, then the foundations of the inside will always be on sand. So when the rain comes and the wind comes, it's going to blow this little house over. And it struck me this morning when I heard that on the radio, I thought we just, we're missing it. And as parents, I think um, for all the parents listening to this podcast, I want to implore you to, if you don't live in Melbourne, fly down there. Or if you do live in Melbourne, Make room in your diary because even if your kids don't go to this event, if maybe they're too young or whatever the case is, what you're going to learn at this event with Marcus is going to give you the tools you need to teach your children so they can start to build the inner foundations that are built on stone. And I think that if we can start to do that from our parents, addressing that with our children, even if they're three years old, they get it. They still get it. They may not have all the linguistics developed, but they get it. And I think that um, if we don't, I, I don't, I don't know what 
I don't know what to see as an outcome. I don't know what to expect as an outcome. And I think that this is a time among society that is incredibly unpredictable because our our boys are becoming more confident. Our girls are becoming more submissive and more um, externally focused for validation. There's more domestic violence. There's more dieting. There's more fighting. There's more divorces. Four out of five marriages now are ending in divorce because we don't have, like you say, these eight levels of our lives mastered. Well, anyway, there's, a, there's so much. Yeah, no, there's so much in there. And I do appreciate the endorsement. And you're right, Karen, there are a number of parents that bring their teenage children along to the event. But there's a couple of things in there. I mean, a lot of things in there. I think the one, just a few notes, I was taking notes as you were talking. That was that was um, compelling. I think for one, and I'd love to know what you think about this, but anxiety as a rule is very much, and Eckhart Tolle talks about this a lot, that anxiety as a rule is very much a, a fear of the future. So it's, you're taking yourself out of the past, uh, sorry, out of the present, and you're becoming very future-focused, which takes you, again, out of making smart decisions for the now um, because you're worried about what will people think of you, which, again, is very is very future-based. But you're spot on about the children is that all of that is monkey see, monkey do. That's all learnt behaviour in the house, and there is no greater example than the example that a, a parent can set their children. And so a lot of parents will, for want of a better term, point fingers at their children as if their children have the problem, but where do the children learn the behaviour? Um, and that's where a lot of parents don't necessarily want to be the change as you as you girls often talk about like that's the hardest thing is we we want to clean up the the backyards of our children but we're not willing to clean up our own backyards and we can't just focus on one thing you you, you mentioned the example of um just uh was it the rise of uh was it what did you say about uh, young children at three out of ten can you remember what you said about three out of ten young yeah. girls are um, experiencing anxiety and depression experiencing anxiety and depression so yeah. a lot of people these days they will just go and eat the perfect diet they will they will go on a let's call it an anti-anxiety diet or they will go and eat foods that might help with depression and eat good mood foods and all the rest of it but like you said about not going straight to the source what if the source is a major challenge that they are not that, that or a confrontation that they are not prepared to even work through. So many people have got like the 95% perfect diet and they've got a 0% healthy relationship. I mean, you just said four out of five marriages are ending in divorce. Um, I was just speaking to a client the other day who has the perfect diet. She has a wonderful diet. Now, her husband does not eat, uh, well, he's got an okay diet, but you know, she thought that when they got married, that the marriage would automatically make him start talking more and make him eat better food. Now, I don't want to sound churlish, but why do we fall into the conditioning or the belief that when something like that happens, like a marriage, we automatically think someone's going to change, where someone's going to start going from not talking very much to becoming an incredible listener and conversationalist? Why do we think that someone will automatically start changing their diet? We, I just think it's so important to recognize that this is multifactorial. Life is multifactorial. There are many elements to life. And if we are mediocre in just one, if we have the best diet but the worst relationship or the best diet but we don't move our bodies or you know, even if we master our diet and our nutrition but we don't master our relationships or our job, the consequences are disastrous. And if we as parents are not prepared to be the leaders in that, then as you say, Karen, it's 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 not perfectly natural, but it's highly likely that we do become concerned about the future because where are the children learning um, how to live 
so to speak. Um, where are they learning? And unfortunately, a lot of them are learning from social media and, and the mass media, which with all love and respect are not uh, the greatest teachers of how to live. I agree with you and I think that's part of the problem and it was certainly what was identified this morning on the radio station was that our kids are turning to social media for their education, not so much like academic education but certainly how to live, how to fit in society. Sexual education, let's look at sexual education. I mean where – I am all for, as, as, as weird as it is, I mean, surely you girls remember when you were at school and I, I, maybe, maybe I'm assuming, but when I was at school, I went to a Catholic school, there was a part of the, of the religious education subject where they spoke about sex ed. And it was awkward and it was hilarious because you're a teenage boy and everything's just kind of funny when you're talking about all of that stuff. But my parents read me, where did I come from? <laughs> did you guys ever see where did I come from? Yes. I had that book. I had that book. I read it to my children. (laughs) There you go. So when my dad was up here like a year or two ago, I made my dad, just for the laugh of it, read my children, where did I come from, with Darby pointing to the penis going, what's this? And Or, you know, or laughing at it and dad, you know, going, oh, well, let me just talk to you about this. And and he's reading it trying to like, (laughs) it was so awkward. (laughs) It shouldn't be awkward. I know. I know. We, you know, we're all older now, so we can kind of we can talk about it in a non-awkward manner. But if you can't actually have the conversation, um, where do they learn it from? And that's it's, it's it's awkward to consider where people learn it from. And I was just talking to a friend the other day who had a who had a child when she was eighteen, and now her daughter, who is seventeen, is pregnant. I'm not gonna, but no one's saying that's a bad thing. No one's saying it's a bad thing, but where do we learn our behaviours from? Where do we learn our behaviours from? And if it's not from our parents, then where's it coming from? And that, that is, you know, that Marcus, is key. Marcus, this is a concern, a great concern of mine now that you're saying that because now I'm really wondering how Jacob has gotten into so much trouble over all these years. I mean, are you suggesting are you suggesting that it's come from? <laughs> I, I'm just checking in. I'm just checking. She's such a tart. She is such a tart. That's all I have to say about my in all, in all seriousness. I, um, in fear of this call being cut, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> with, um, <laughs> you know, I've been fortunate to, to speak at a number of different mother-daughter retreats over the years, and one thing has come through very clear at every single one of them or when I've had mothers and daughters in the room. Mothers put a hell of a lot of um, responsibility and um, they they have this underlying uh, belief and I'm not sure where this comes from that we need to get it right or at least improve on what we grew up with perhaps or do the best that we can and we do all of that but we carry a hell of a lot of guilt when we feel we don't get it right and that as we all know uh, through the journey of motherhood happens a hell of a lot as well so what was interesting watching over these last few events over the last few years is that when you have the mothers and the daughters sitting in the same room a lot of the mums are really keen for their daughters to hear the messages that us speakers say. So that's, and I guess mm. what the same would be said for wellness summits and things like that when we bring partners and friends and people like that because somehow you hope that they'll hear it in another way. And I think what's fascinating is that when we separate the mums and daughters out and we talk to the mums on their own and we talk to the daughters on their own, 
Here's the interesting thing. The mums want their daughters to get it and to hear it so that they don't make mistakes. So a lot of it is operated out of fear of what could go wrong. The daughters, a lot of the time, are sitting there wishing that their mums weren't so stressed, that they were happier, that they didn't take so much on their shoulders. What, what is, what's your insights into that dynamic? Oh, look, mother's guilt is a massive topic, full stop. But I would say just, I kind of, first of all, I want to say, Kim, just on your own front, I do want to make an answer to that question. You are a kind, respectful, loving, beautiful soul. So the incredible example you set to your son is remarkable. I just want to say that for one thing. And when I, and I, and I've met, had the pleasure of meeting Jacob a number of times. And I know I don't see him in those other times, but he's a true gentleman. And that is going to take him so far with a level of chivalry and grace that yes, there might be times where that doesn't happen. But over the long course, I have absolutely no doubt that your man is on the right path, that your son is on the right path. Um, in terms of mother-daughter relationships and, and just in the, the nudge-nudge kind of I hope they listen to this thing, um, I, the guilt factor is massive. I would, I would love to know probably even for all of us to have a chat about this, but guilt is something that is one of the hardest personal growth exercises I think to work through. But as soon as we can recognize it, the guilt has served us to some point, but then it's okay to let it go and that's actually really important to let it go. Because a lot of parents are kind of hoping that they can absolve the personal growth from themselves and just that their parents, that their kids get it. They kind of think, well, if my kids do it, then I don't have to do it. So if my child learns this, then I don't really have to learn anything or make up for anything. But I don't necessarily believe that um, your job ever finishes as a parent, even if you're 80 years of age and you're kind of hoping that you're um, – your work is done. Your work's never done. So your work is always in your example. You know, the parents, the people that are listening now that are in their 30s or 40s, they are having a, they have a, a conditioned belief right now about what it's going to be to be 60 or 70. And that might be coming from their parents or their parents' friends. And then the people that are 50 or 60 listening to this have a conditioned view on what it's like to be 80 or 90. Um, I don't think it ever finishes. And I think we have to be, as individuals, mindful that the way we live our life is a, a very strong example, not just to our children, but the people that we spend time with. And if we don't um, honour um, all areas of our life and be a strong example in those areas of life, um, there are going to be consequences, and, and some of them do fall to the people that we um, that we spend time with. I know Sarah feels guilty sometimes about the way that she speaks to the children if she's tired she'll see her like her dad uh, like when sarah was growing up her dad would be the one to crack it he might come home from work tired or whatever and he's got a bit of a shorter fuse if sarah hasn't had any sleep and things just haven't panned out she'll just all of a sudden just crack it she'll go oh my gosh where did that come from And it's kind of like her dad coming through her and then she'll go oh gosh you know like they didn't deserve that or whatever you know what like if it's going to happen once every so on. I don't have any major bothers with it. But if it's going to be something that you do regularly, we have to recognize that our example is going to be the thing that um, people learn from. It's not so much what we what we say. It's that good old do as I say, not as I do. But really, we all know that it's, you know, people are going to learn more from what we do than what we say. And that doesn't stop, in my view. It's a long answer, but I hope you kind of get it. Totally. I, yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I, I yeah. think what's really important is is the example, the thing, you know, 
speaking of example, Marcus Pierce, I just want the listeners to know the impact that someone like yourself has when one invites you to speak at one's own event. So I just want to paint the picture. We're at Byron Bay. I'm doing a 28 retreat. I have a, a, an amazing group of souls, some couples, a mother or daughter, some people on their own, I have a good, large group of different people. Day one, we all go through the exploration of self and we're doing a whole lot of rituals and things around self-care and self-love. And I invited you, which was amazing, at the last minute to come in on Tuesday morning. Marcus arrives Tuesday morning saying, oh, look, I'm not really prepared, but I'll just give what I've got. And Marcus absolutely delivered, um, I would imagine, a piece of what he's going to deliver in Melbourne. Um, And what happened over that? We still have people to this day, Marcus, talk about that life-changing hour they had with you in that retreat where it turned the whole focus of the retreat into, um, because I think that one of the things that came up was that food, which you've spoken about already, that you know it's important that we eat well, but sometimes we can become and, and have a bit of an unhealthy obsession with eating well or thinking we're eating wrong or whatever it is, not even understanding what we should or shouldn't be eating. But when you talked about it from your exceptional life blueprint around that social connectivity was actually one of the most important um, values and foundations for a happy and long life, which meant sometimes, you know what, eat the bread, have a glass of wine, enjoy the piece of cake. Well, in that moment, I think everyone in that room then took it upon themselves to live what you uh, expressed. And that night when we arrived at our beautiful The Farm restaurant, which I know you girls know what I'm talking about, they decided to order a bottle of wine and out came this beautiful stone break, baked bread and this whole thing. And everyone looked at it and everyone had a piece of it. And then everyone went back for seconds. And I'm not kidding, the laughter, the joy, the hilarity, the absolute um tone that that sent for the set for the rest of the week was undoubtedly probably one of the most biggest turning points I've ever seen can you tell us a little bit more about your um that that thing of social connectivity and why that is such I mean a lot of people think food is the foundation but but why is that the number one for you or is that the right words by the way but I just remember the conversation yeah yeah sure Oh, thanks, and thanks for. And again, I'm, I'm, it was a beautiful morning that we spent together. I truly loved it. But I think there's a, a couple of things in that. I think we need to just say for everyone listening, it's dot dot dot. Unless you are celiac or have autoimmune or you're on some form of healing diet, you know everything that you just said. I 100% agree with. If someone though is going to blow up at the sight of bread, let alone eating it, or they will um, not digest, you know, yeah, whatever it is. I think it's that. That's 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 important i am i'm very big on we've become a bit hyper when it comes to food i mean i look at you girls as a wonderful example we've got a vegan someone that will almost vomit at the sight of red meat and then as someone as carnivorous as uh, cindy is um that can all get along beautifully <laughs> love each other it really happily come to the table without um cracking it and judging and all types of things you you're a beautiful example of what i think you know the 2017 version of um, of eating well is it, food is meant to bring us together. I I am concerned, and I, I'm genuinely concerned for the people that are eating like very strict diets and eating in their car or at the desk by themselves because they just can't fathom 
socializing with others either because the fear of being judged or the judgment that they that they have put on those other people um and sadly these people might be their brothers or sisters or their mums or their dads and um you know i still maintain that if you are not on a healing diet and you know um, cindy cindy might disagree but this is this is just what i said you know like if you if your mum invites you over and she has no concept of health and she cooks you spaghetti bolognese and you see her once a month and that's 12 spag bowls a year, and you have six meals a day because you like to graze like me, and you have 40 meals a week, which is over 2,000 um, eating sessions a year, and you no longer see your mum because you just can't bear having spaghetti bolognese. Not that you actually have a reaction to it, um, but you just have been put a label on yourself. And remember, I was vegan for seven years, so I put a massive label on myself. But you've now cut off that connection with your mum who loves cooking for you and she may not have the awareness of what else to cook for you, and you now don't see her as regularly because of the spaghetti bolognese, even though we're talking about 0.001% of your diet, and you've lost that connection, and you don't know what to do. I, I'm a, I, I'm more of like do what Joe Witten does and bring along a chicken salad that is enough to share with others and say very clearly from the beginning, this is what we're having. Very happy for you to have some too. Let's all get on and and be merry. But I just I'm concerned for people that have just improved their diet so much that they've lost their friends or their family in the process. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you, but there are some people that, you know, they have to be very careful about it. And I think what Joe does is brilliant and it's what I would do too. Or I invite people to my place. More often than yep. not, I'll have people to my place for dinner because then, you know, I know what what we'll be eating and how we'll be eating. Plus, I've surrounded myself with friends who know what I eat <laughs> and family. <laughs> true, yeah. true, she, true. She deleted all the others from her <laughs> circle of influence. Like that's that's how she worked on that one, Marcus. <laughs> not, no, I not. just brought them all with me, Miss Kimmy. I know, like, darling. I know. That's what I did. <laughs> it was oh, so funny, though. In New here. York, in, in yep. New York, Marcus, you would have loved this. So we're walking along and we're trying to find somewhere nice to eat, and of course, we're really fussy and. And every restaurant we went into, there was so much bread and pretzels and bagels and all sorts of things. And, and we just couldn't find it. And we kept walking and walking, Googling and searching until we finally found that. Well, actually, we accidentally came across this place called the Dig In. And honestly, the minute we found that place, we actually became their, their, I think their top customer over the week that we were there. That's how much we loved it. So it is a case. And then people met us there, didn't they, Cindy? Or we took people there. It was like, once yeah. you find something, and then all of a sudden we found people that came with us, we'd go, oh, look, we don't eat this food, but we're going to this place. Do you want to join us? And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, yes, they'd love it. And it often opened up a conversation as well around what makes you eat like that because Americans do not eat the way we eat, I'm telling you. Yeah, I can only imagine the challenges you went through. And I think, you know, as Cindy is saying, there are so many ways to integrate this well. I mean, eating well is a wonderful excuse to entertain more, to bring people over and and control the environment in terms of food and nutrition. I think probably when we went to Ikaria last year and saw, you know, saw this this wonderful lady Athena who was making bread as if it was just an art form, like just a pure art form. It was a master at work and we had two workshops there, one where you actually made the food, another one where you literally watched Athena make the bread and you girls would all know Hillary King Sullivan um, who came along with us and she'd been grain free for 
many years, or not many years, but a few years since the paleo grain-free movement kind of stemmed. And before that, she truly, truly loved making sourdough bread. Like she just loved, no, it wasn't so much eating the bread, she just loved making the bread. And watching Athena make this bread with so much love and dedication and just, you you were just in awe of a simple process of, of making bread. Um, Hillary said, you know what, I'm actually going to start making sourdough bread, not because uh, not not so much about eating the bread. She gives most of the bread to others, whether it's her children or friends or people that come over or whatever, but just because it fills her bucket to actually make bread. She just loves that art of making bread. And I just think that I know it's a bit of a cliche, but when you do something with love, particularly food prep, and I mean any of us that would go to Cindy's house, unless there was the time where she accidentally burnt the fish, but any one of us that would go to Cindy's house and actually eat the food would know that it's been cooked with love and you you, you taste it in the food and in the experience and I think that um, a lot of people sadly have lost that experience of eating food with love they're all in front of the tv um, and again generalized we're not all in front of the tv but so many people are either eating alone or eating you know under a roof with other people but still you know one's on an ipad one's on an iphone one's watching tv and one's doing work whilst they eat it's like oh I think food has got more of a um, purpose in life than simply just uh, you know fueling the body it goes a bit deeper than that. When you think of um, from a vibrational frequency point of view, it's been measured how the vibrational frequency of the body changes when um, the body is experiencing that deep internal and abiding sensation that occurs when we feel that there's love present and. When you look at it purely from a scientific point of view, if the person preparing the food is experiencing that beautiful vibrational frequency of love, everything is already connected. So the vibrational frequency of the food is enhanced by the vibrational frequency of the person preparing it. But if the person who's preparing it is doing it um, under duress or they're thinking, should I hate cooking or this is just not for me or I'm so bored or I'm so busy and I don't have time for this, or there's irritation, um, which can sometimes be the case. I know I'm guilty of that myself. The food, the vibrational frequency of the food is affected by that. And it's all it's it's amazing how, you know, whenever I go to my mum's place, she only has to make me a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and it tastes remarkably different mm-hmm. to whatever I make for myself here at home because I know when she's making it, she's got all that mummy love going into everything that she prepares and it always just tastes like heaven and it was it was actually really interesting I started to to look into it when I was looking into the vibrational frequency of the body and aromatherapy oils and food and um, uh, fresh herbs and meat and canned foods and so on and it it was amazing how the frequency of the body increases between 10 and 12 million beats if you like or frequency cycles per second each time that the body is experiencing that deep abiding internal sensation of love so that's pretty significant that's not nothing and it's not something to to discount i think i think it's a pretty powerful tool that we've got in our arsenal and anyone that's been to a restaurant that has had great food and poor service will often remember the poor service more than the great food. And I think, you know, with a perfect example of you just said, you know, the vibrational frequency of the people on that night serving the food and making the food um, just wasn't there and and you notice it, you know, and it, it totally affects your experience. So um, without any shadow of a doubt. It's very cool. 
It's very cool. Mm. So, Marcus, we've got um, we're, we're kind of getting close to the end of time. I'm really keen for us to explore a little bit more about your event in Melbourne. You sent me a quick message here and I was reading it thinking it just sounds like pure heaven um, about, uh, you know, what we've got to look forward to with this particular event. You mentioned that there are eight levels. There are eight areas of life that a person can um, or should be looking into mastering or making sure that there's balance or whatever words you're using. Roll out the eight levels for us. What are they? Yeah, sure. So we've spoken um, in, in parts, of, in parts of, of all of them throughout the, the interview, yeah. but if we put it into clarity and order, um, there's no doubt, and again, I, I could use all three of you as perfect examples of, of living an exceptional life, but there's no doubt based on all of the research, whether it's, you know, uh, books read or, or podcast interviews or traveling uh, to places or meeting people, that the, the first three ingredients to an exceptional long life, a great long life, is life purpose. And that's doing what you love and loving what you do. But just as importantly, if not more importantly, it's being who you love to be. And Bronnie Ware, who um, has written a great book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, I think kind of clarifies this perfectly in looking at people that are about to die. And that is that the number one regret of humanity is that they live their life according to um, the expectations of other people rather than their own expectations. They, they live their life according to someone else's script rather than the script that they would have liked to have write for themselves. And so you look at people that have lived a great long life and they are people that have lived their life on their own terms. Um, and I think that's really important that, that we consider for all the listeners that if you don't feel like you're living your life on your own terms, um, then yeah, a big part of the event is to truly create that script of your life. What is it that you want? What is it that you feel like you are here to do? And I ask them quite probing questions to allow people to get clarity on what it is that they love to do and what it is that they're here to do. And then it's about, yeah, who are you here to be, uh, which we've already spoken on um, before. And then the, the second ingredient is movement. You know, Damien and I, when we started 100 Not Out, truly thought that as long as you ate well, then you had the fountain of youth. But it's interesting that whilst there's a lot of people out there that have eaten well, um, there's a lot of people out there that have eaten well that have died prematurely. I mean, um, this is, and I, I don't know if Cindy and I have spoken about this, I think it's been in parts, but, you know, Nathan Pritikin started the Pritikin diet. Mm. He died at 69. He committed suicide when he found out he had cancer. Um, mm. You look at Atkins, he died at 72. Um, Michael Montagnac, who started the South Beach diet, had prostate cancer at 68. Um, Adele Davis, who, who, from what I can tell, was a beautiful soul. She was mortified mm. when she was dying prematurely. And I don't say that to say that any of them were wrong. I, as a curious journalist by profession, I just say we have to be curious that there are more elements to life um, than just on the food that we eat. And that's why I use Cindy as an example of an exceptional human being because she moves every single day. I mean, you see her on Instagram and Facebook with the beach bums doing the daily <laughs> swimming and all the rest of it. I mean, it's hard. It's, I feel uncomfortable saying this to Cindy, being Cindy, but in my mind, that is a is a is a higher um, level of importance. Cindy's going to get a get more more length out of her life by that practice than necessarily what goes into her mouth. But I'm not going to say that from a scientific level. I say it very much from an anecdotal level, using the oldest human being as an example. The oldest human being on record, Jean Calmont, the French woman, 122 years, 164 days. She was riding a bike age 100. And, you know, she still oh. smoked for 95 years. But she was riding a bike. 
mm-hmm. age 100. Um, um, Alice Heard Sommer, the oldest survivor of the Holocaust, who went through the worst possible experiences. Her husband was gassed two weeks before the liberation. She lost her parents. She lost friends and family and all the rest of it. She swam every day up until the age of 97. Now, she did have Tim Tams and she did have, you know, mint slices and ginger snaps, but she all, she moved every day. And I just think that there's something about movement which seems, again, Bruce Lipton will say it in the biology of belief, movement is life and life is movement on a cellular level, but even on a on a higher level. So I think, again, on an anecdotal level, it's just too hard to deny i can't find anyone that hasn't moved that is living a great long life the people that have great that have long lives but they might not have a great quality of life they haven't moved their body much um they might have longevity but they might not have the quality of life if you want to add the quality you've got to move your body regularly um the third element is socializing you look at um uh, depression a lot of that comes from loneliness uh, professor michael woodward who's on the alzheimer's australia um board will talk about um, movement um, will prevent 42% of dementia. We could slash the, the dementia bill in half if we just moved 30 minutes a day regularly. Um, the second ingredient to preventing dementia is socialising, is engaging. And you look at the, de- the, the desperation and the isolation in older Australians because they've got that, um, they don't have the, the same um, community engagement. And then the third one for them, for, for dementia, is um. Is, is a is a brain activity and, and keeping your brain active, which I think has a lot to do with with life purpose. But a social engagement is so important. We we can't figure out scientifically why, but we do know that people that have active social lives um, that don't have the best diets live longer than people that have awesome diets but don't have active social lives. Um, ingredient number four is nutrition, and there's a number of factors here. Many of we've already spoken about, but. If we don't honor our nutrition, I mean, you look at the obesity epidemic and the fact that, you know, a third of cancer um, and 40% of diabetes would be prevented if we actually ate well. And those numbers would be probably even higher, but that's what the World Health Organization is talking about. I mean, we could slash our bills and Cindy, you'd, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, be a massive fan of all this work that the WHO do on a statistical level, but we would slash so much money from the money that we spend and the taxes that we pay if we just honoured our, our nutrition a hell of a lot more. And, um, you know, 80% of our body shape comes from our, our, our nutrition. And um, if we could just do a little bit more, um, gosh, we'd save ourselves a lot of heartache. Uh, the, the, the premature death, the farewelling family members, the, um, the lowered energy, the brain fog, the the bad moods, the poor sleep. I mean, I mean, I know we're a, a, a biased audience here, but we know what impact that would have. Um, ingredient number five is love and relationships. Now, again, if we don't honor the first four, um, you could argue that we don't have great love and relationships. But if we don't have great love and relationships, um, if we've got those awkward Christmas days and we don't, if we don't forgive our, if we don't forgive Cindy, I'd love to talk to you uh, about this at length. But Cindy, uh, Camp, Kim, and Karen, I'd love to know what you girls think. I know we're running out of time, but Harvard did a study that showed that 91% of people that had a poor relationship with a mother or a father um, and they had a strained and cold or a tolerant relationship at best had a midlife health crisis in their 40s and 50s. And 100% of people that had a strained and cold or a tolerant relationship with their mum and their dad had a, a major health crisis in their midlife. That could be heart disease. That could be uh, some form of cancer. That could be some form of diabetes. Um, 
it's staggering the the connection between the relationship with your parents and the quality of your health so that's a big one that i love to work with people on a lot of that comes down to forgiveness and a lot of people find it so hard to forgive and forgiveness is one of the biggest tests in personal growth and then the last three is growth doing what you love that that allows you to grow and expand and, and active learning rather than just passive learning um wealth spending less than you earn and investing the difference most people spend the average in australia is 151 percent of our income gets spent for every 100 bucks we earn we're spending a hundred uh, we're spending 151 dollars which is just mind-blowing and then that eighth ingredient is putting it spirit soul and faith into every preceding ingredient that I spoke about. Um, if we don't uh, put ourselves into it, it just becomes intellectual knowledge and um, and we just feel like it's another to-do list and we definitely don't want these this exceptional life to feel like a to-do list. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people feel, but a big reason for being for what I do is to allow people to really feel a higher purpose for what it is that they're doing, whether it's driving kids to school or dropping them off at you know music lessons or uh, making their lunches or whatever it is, having a, a real higher purpose to what it is that they're doing, um, putting the extraordinary into ordinary and, and helping them rise from mediocre to magnificent on every single level. Nearly out of breath, but I appreciate you allowing me to share that because I know it's a little bit big for people. But I think it's important also, Marcus, um, I know a lot of my students have come your way um, to get all that information and uh, it's been life-changing for them. So for those people in Melbourne um, and for my students, if any of my Functional Nutrition Academy students are listening, I would recommend that you go in and listen to Marcus because it is not just about food. I'm in totally agreeance with you and your comment about you know, if a person has had, um, you know, a, a poor relationship with one parent, they're bound to have a major disease between the ages of 40 and 50. And that was my sister. You know, it's, you know, but it was her perception of her relationship. You know, it was, it was yeah. different to my brothers and my relationship. We felt like we had a fairy tale relationship, but her perception was that it was a disastrous childhood. So <laughs> we don't know where she got that yeah. from, but I, and she's passed away. She passed away at 46. So, uh, you know, I agree with you that food is part of it and you, you put it at number four because if you could be eating well and have no sense of purpose or not be moving. So um, for any of my nutrition students that are listening, please go and attend um, Marcus's Exceptional Life Blueprint. Um, and for the Up for Chatters, uh, you know, we, we teach this, but here you have in one – amazing um is it a weekend marcus yeah it's two days yeah all day saturday all day sunday oh yeah it'll be amazing it'll, it'll be amazing it's these it's things heavy. That... don't get me wrong yeah it's heavy it's very heavy it's yeah. full on <laughs> yeah, but, but it's even, these things but even your heaviness you make it you're so engaging and so easy and so yeah, inspiring you are and so you get you get to the point very quickly too marcus and you also make it okay to be different like you're not trying to box everybody in and make everybody think a certain way you open up the possibility for more exploration and give us permission to do it. So I think I would say the same to any up for chatters, to any students that any of us are teaching, any of Karen's. I mean, Karen, it would definitely fit with the effortless self-crew that have been there, wouldn't it? It would just be such an ideal sure. educational example of, of what's possible. So we... Uh, I can't rate you enough, Marcus. I think you're an extraordinary being. You always host the Wellness Summit with such vigor and zest, and you're such a beautiful human being. I, I, I want to go. 
Oh, no, I really just want to say a very sincere thanks for your endorsements. But you, I just am so honoured that there is, I would, uh, you know, really, I know we say this a lot that our businesses have really, um, they've all been advantaged from the, the collaboration that we've all been lucky enough to work with um, with the Wellness Couch. But it is an honour and it does make my life so much easier working with people that have um, worked with you uh, ladies individually or together uh, because we just hit it off on a, on a whole different level than um, when I'm working with people that haven't been exposed to what uh, the three of you share. And so um, it is it does make life, my life more fulfilling working with people that have been exposed to um, your messages and your business and your content. So, again, thanks for making my life easier on that front too. No, it's been fabulous, Marcus. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today and being so giving and generous and sharing so much of what you know with our listeners so that they can get a taste of what it's going to be like to spend the couple of days with you at your event. You're an, you're an absolute legend, my friend. Thanks, girls. Thanks so much for having me on for the second time. I'm pumped. Damien Christoph was just, he was in all sorts because he hadn't been on and now he's been on and now I've been on for two times. So I've got one up on Damo now. I have to tell him to. <laughs> hey, hey, Marcus, how do people find Don't you? Don't tell Damien. How can they find out about this and um, how can they register? Well, the site. Yeah, sure. The site is melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au, melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au. I'm sure we'll get a, a link in the show notes. But if you can remember that whilst you're driving or walking or uh, doing the dishes or making dinner, that's melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au. And it's uh, June 3 and 4 at the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Centre, same place where we have the Wellness Summit. And um, and depending on when people are listening, there's a two-for-one special at the moment too. So um, bring along a teenage child, bring along a partner, a friend, a work colleague, whoever it is. But, yeah, come along two-for-one um, in early June. Spectacular. Fabulous. Mm, sounds good. Thanks, well, thank girls. You, much Thanks a million. Thanks a million. So for everybody listening to today's podcast, make sure that you check out Mark, Marcus's website. It's melbourne.marcuspierce. Hang on. That's the one, Pierce with an A. Cool, cool, cool. So make sure that you check out Marcus's website. Go go and hunt him down and make sure that you attend his two-day event. And do yourself a favor, favor, grab that two-for-one offer because that doesn't happen all that often. So Marcus is doing a special, um, really exciting offer for people who are listening to Up for a Chat, and we're really, really excited to be able to share it with you guys. So go and check him out. And in the meantime, if you guys have any questions or comments about today's podcast, Jump ahead over to our Facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. Or you can also post your comments at all the w's.thewellnessguys.com forward slash up for a chat. So go ahead, check out those websites, take some steps to turn you into, I guess, or share with you the life that you have been thirsting for. You know, everything that you want is right at your fingertips. You've just got to surround yourself with the people who can be your guide. So take advantage of the people that are right here, right in front of you, and um, step up and step into the life that you know that you deserve and share that with your kids. And let's try and make this world a more sustainable and a better place from the inside out. Join us here next week on Up for a Chat and become part of the ripple effect that is changing the world. We're going to see you on the ride. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.